Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, man. Wait, I got to take the graphic away. This is terrible. I did it wrong. Hey, uh, off off to a great start. They could hear us, but they couldn't see us. Uh, maybe for the best. You got the full podcast experience in the video version of the show. Hi, everybody. It's House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And Robert Karpolis, the guy who didn't screw up the intro this week. Uh, welcome to Rumor and Innuendo on ad-free shows, podcasting, and across a plethora of social media platforms. And if I do say so myself, a way better theme song than the new Monday Night Raw theme. Oh, they're all bangers. Everyone's having a good time. Let's not throw shade at music. Music is for all. Music over politics, everybody. One of my favorite catchphrases. Um, we're going to have a great show here today. Uh, it is rumored innuendo. Live, noon Eastern, Monday through Friday, half hour of power on today's show. Uh, we are going to be uh, talking about... Um, uh, oh, I don't actually have everything. We have uh, AEW's, uh, uh, MJF's AEW contract. We have the Rampage viewership. Uh, we got some updates on the Mysterios. We're going to talk WWE Raw. Um, but before we get to uh, all of that here today, and a reminder we're opening that opening with Billy and the CW, we're opening with the Billy and the CW. Yes, no, a reminder that the chat room is open. You could be like Lord Supa, uh, Johnny Disco here, saying if we have time, we'll get to Billy Corgan and the CW NWA. Yes, of course. Um, but no, I want to start the show by sending our best to CJ Perry. Very unfortunate uh, tweet uh, last night. During Monday Night Raw, for those that didn't see, um, it's up over at House of Wrestling. You can find it over at Instagram. CJ's been dealing with an infection uh, that stemmed from a cut on her finger. It's getting very, very bad. Uh, she's been in the hospital for 50 hours. She went into surgery last night. Uh, I have not heard any updates this morning about how she's doing. Uh, I hope we find out very soon that everything is going well after this surgery. Um, but as someone who has talked to me for House of Wrestling in our very short uh, existence and is a big star at AEW and just a really wonderful human. Uh, absolutely want to send uh, our best out to CJ Perry, man. What a terrifying ordeal it sounds like she's going through at the moment. Yeah, this is definitely not what I think she initially expected with the, with an issue with the finger and it traveled up. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine, Adam, had a similar instance of this before, and he actually messaged me yesterday showing me the the CJ Perry story and said this is something yeah. that could progress and be serious. Glad that she's able to you know get this hopefully taken care of and addressed but take care of your health guys i mean that's that we're going into the holiday season there's there's a little psa right there i'm glad she was proactive and went and sought this out yes a hundred percent um all right with that let's get to some pro wrestling uh news here today now of course this morning if you didn't catch it, the SI Media Podcast, it only dropped a couple hours ago, so you may have missed this, actually. SI Media Podcast comes out. MJF is on the show. Uh, MJF is asked to comment on the uh, speculation around his AEW contract. Now, of course, we put out a report 
uh, last month saying that, you know, based on a conversation I'd had with a higher up at WWE and other people at WWE, the general consensus I was getting was that, no, there haven't been any talks between WWE and Max, uh, nor does WWE in general believe that he is even uh, going to become available on January 1st, 2024, um, because he has quietly resigned, which is something I've heard from multiple people. Now, uh, you go find the full quote over on the site, uh, but it comes down to him basically saying he hasn't been lying. He has not signed a new AEW contract. His contract will come up on January 1st, 2024. I was as surprised as anyone to see him be so blunt with this, considering he has not been talking at all about the bidding war of 2024 since my reporting came out. Um, I sent the link to a bunch of people in WWE and got a lot of the same back. One higher up said to me, this is storyline. Another higher up to me said, this guy is locked in. He signed a new deal last year. Um, uh, and I said, was it before All Out when he returned as the devil? And they said, yes. And it was for a huge amount of money. So I got very stiff, specific pushback to Max once again, uh, floating the idea that he's uh, not yet re-signed with AEW. But um, you've worked with Max. You're following this story just like everybody else, Robert. What what's your take on on what we're seeing right now and hearing from from him? Look, I don't care what anybody says. It is a hundred percent confirmed that he was inducted into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Max. Well earned. A mazel. Hey, look, I'm very proud of the guy. I I like Max. I don't like that he called me a fan who was leaking what I wanted to hear in his particular quote and. And I just be in fear again, Max. These are people in WWE that are influential people at WWE. And I am letting everyone and, you know, because I don't know how these sides can even talk what the belief is here right now. And uh, that's not just a fan leaking what I want to hear, Max. I, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but this is the this is still the word on the street that I am getting from the WWE side is that they believe this guy is still locked in. He's resigned to AEW. As they probably should, because WWE is treating AEW like a grown-up company and thinking if you have a world champion who's going on television flouting the fact that I don't have a contract and I'm going to be gone January 1st and I'm front and center on all your TV, of course he's re-signing. It's not like AEW did that with Cody Rhodes a couple of years ago. Let him go out on TV with a live microphone and say, hey, Tony, I don't actually have a contract with you. Maybe we should talk. So I'm sure WWE is thinking there's no way that they are possibly going to do this a second time. This is not like the Home Alone 2 lost to New York of main event AEW stars. So yeah. I have to believe that they're assuming as much or that they are not having conversations with Max because if he had not re-signed, I would imagine his agent would be making overtures and saying, hey, what kind of a deal can we get? Man, I'm really glad you brought up the Cody Rhodes situation, Robert, because Max also brought up Cody Rhodes and CM Punk. And he was like, you know, all these people said, you know, Cody's going to stay or they said Punk's going to uh, he's going to make up with Tony Khan. He's going to stay. That's very much Spot how on Max, Max impression, by the way. It's uncanny. It's like he's here. <laughs> well, scumbag Trav here in the comments saying Nick and Robert appointment listening. It's like my dad and Rush Limbaugh, but with fewer pills and more mispronouncing <laughs> of names. But. Very accurate impressions. But anyway, so Max brings up um, he brings up Cody and Puck. Here's the thing. He's misinterpreting. Max is really just misinterpreting a lot of 
I, I feel I feel personally attacked by some of these comments. When Cody, when everybody was saying Cody's staying with AEW, I was one of the lone people in the room saying this guy's leaving. And I know that I've gotten so much pushback about how Cody the Bucks and Kenny Omega are all best of friends. They hate it whenever there's like an insinuation that anything was ever wrong between them. But I can tell you, all was not exactly great, right? It's maybe, you know, time heals all wounds better. Now, that was a thing. Creative for Tony was really weird at the, th at the time. There were other frustrations I won't get into that Cody had at the time. Everybody's sitting here saying, Cody's staying with AEW. I was like, you're out of your minds. This guy did everything he wanted to do. All he wanted to do was go out there, become the captain of the football team, and come back to the ranch so that his dad, Vince McMahon, would play a game of catch with him. That's all he's ever wanted. A little kiss on the cheek, a little I'm proud of you, and that's what he got, right? See a punk? I was the one who broke the story that he was not going to be at All Out, all right? I was the first person to say, these two sides are done. Punk will not be at All Out, all right? I was two for two on those. This time around, with this particular story, and I could be getting swerved, and Max could be saying the truth right to my face, and, and I'm just being told by a lot of people it's just not accurate, but I, I don't get the same vibe here as I get with Cody, as I got with Cody, and as what I got with Punk, and I just don't think that they're comparable. There were a lot of different factors. Max is positioned completely differently than Cody and Punk were at the time. There were a lot of concerns that they may be leaving the company. If Max really is leaving, if really he if he is saying what he is saying, and why would you not take him at his word? He is not at all a scumbag, uh, just a forthright, honest person. But if for whatever reason AEW does not procure MJF and MJF shows up at probably not day one, because I don't think he'd be eligible for that day, but very possible, uh, AEW should just fold up shop and go home because they're done. I would love to see Max in the Rumble. I think Max has worked really hard to build a, a major global presence for himself, and I think WWE would only signal boost that further. But I really do have to believe that AEW is not going to make this mistake again and let one of their talents slip through. So Max is very good at playing the MJF persona. He does not break that pretty much at all. So it would make sense that he is going to stick with the story that he is sticking with. And I like that. I like that that's the case in wrestling because we are not owed the truth about what's going on with his contract. So, yeah, let him let him do what he's going to do. Let him poke and jibe at a fan like Nick Hausman. Let him stir stuff up and get people talking because they literally have a pay-per-view built at the end of the year around is Max going to be there in the beginning of January? It's called World's End. It's in Long Island. He's got the title. They're teeing it up. It's a fun story. But if it's more than a story, and if there's even a shred of possibility that Max is telling the truth, that he is not signed to a contract, uh, somebody's got to have a, a stern conversation with Tony. Now, here's the thing, right? Max is the AEW World Champion, ROH Tag Team Champion, five-time Dynamite Diamond Ring Holder, and... I think more important than any of that is the central focus of the buzziest story in the entire company, which is the AEW Devils storyline, which uh, revolves around a, a costume piece of his, right? Even if he wasn't there, 
the mask is still synonymous with MJF. If he were to, for whatever reason, be in a position to pick up and go and leave on January 1st, 2024, that would leave such a massive hole. And I just, for for all of the you know ups and downs creatively at AEW, I cannot believe Tony Khan would drive all of this up right to world's end at the end of the year without a plan, knowing there's road in front of him. I, I just, I find that impossible to believe, Robert. Well, where we're going, we don't need roads. At least that was what Tony said when he didn't re-sign Cody. Um, but look, we'll we'll see what it is. It's intrigue. He's creating further intrigue about AEW programming, hinging somewhat on the incompetence of Tony Khan. But we'll see. He is not on television since Punk left and since some of these Warner stories have happened. He is not on TV talked about the bidding war of 2024. He, he mentioned it in the Sports Illustrated interview because you know you're going to get asked about it. And when Max does press and he does media, he maintains a certain degree of kayfabe. And he comes from a philosophy that that is what people want. And they get engaged and excited by it. And it's us sitting here talking about it. It would defy any degree of logic to think that Max is not re-signed to AEW. But it's the Christmas season. There's magic in the air, Nick. Oh, there's my magic goodness. in the air and nothing screams magic in, in Christmas like jolly old St. Nick right here sitting on the screen with my big rosy cheeks. Um, You know, I there is uh, someone here talking twins MLB podcast. Welcome to the show. Talking twins. Uh, he says, is it safe to assume Tony AEW is done making mistakes with talent relation? What reason is there to believe that right now? Well, you know, we'll see. 2024 is going to be a big year. Obviously not with just talent, but also with their TV rights, which is my segue into our follow-up story here. Um, we got the re- we got the viewership in from WrestleNomics yesterday uh, for Rampage and SmackDown, but the Rampage viewership uh, immediately caught my eye because Rampage was down ten percent from the week before in overall viewership and thirty three percent in the key eighteen to forty nine demo. Um, that's, those are the biggest takeaways number wise from that. The reason that's as important is because Rampage went head-to-head with the third hour of ROH Final Battle. And at the same time Tony Khan was promoting AEW Rampage, a show that Warner Brothers Discovery, by all accounts, and from what I've heard, actually wants to pay money for, it took a hit in viewership due to another show with arguably a more interesting card and storyline going into it, that is something that Warner Brothers Discovery has no interest in over at ROH. And it just grabbed me for a moment that Tony ran Tony ran these shows head-to-head, and the ROH show seemingly, I would think, caused a negative effect for viewership on Rampage. At a time, he's trying to talk to Warner and show how good he's doing to get more money. Am I am I Am I drinking? Am I taking crazy pills? Because I feel nobody's talking about this, and it's just so wild to me, you know. So on Wrestle Roasts, I was always called the WWE shell because I would just state facts, and that would be skewed by some folks as me being pro or anti one company or the other. If I were to tell you that there is an owner who put a pay per view up opposite his own weekly television show, you would think this is absolutely insane. Yes. I am gobsmacked. I'm baffled. Even without 
the fact that Warner Discovery is basically openly saying, we're not sure if we're going to keep you guys going forward. And we talked about earlier this week, you need to stack, or last week, you need to stack Dynamite. You need to stack Collision. You need to make it seem like Rampage is a show you care about. Put focus on it. Drive up those numbers. And instead, you run a pay-per-view where you're asking people to pay. I don't know how much the Ring of Honor pay-per-view was. Twenty dollars, thirty dollars, whatever. It was not. It was, it was not. It was only nine ninety nine, and it was the cost of Even, our Honor Club subscription, which is okay. not terrible. Okay. So not not at all that expensive at all. But you're driving people to watch this Ring of Honor pay-per-view opposite your own television show that's airing it's it's the kind of thing where if i would have even remotely suggested that anywhere near vince's presence i would have been thrown off the roof of titan tower and and rightfully so i don't know if if he's just openly defiant or what it is but some of these moves that are going on here maybe max isn't resigned guys maybe max is looking at this going you know what scott demore has a pay-per-view coming up in january Maybe I'm showing up there. Uh, I keep hearing rumblings about Billy and the CW. Maybe I can nudge that deal back to life. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's all. That's it's it. all super possible. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. I just. I. I'm with you in the sense that it's it's gobsmacking and just very surprising. Um. That that he would make this move, and it makes me wonder what his motives are with it. Right. You know. You say it's defiance. I think. It is a bit defiance, but he's he's he seems bound, set, and determined to prove that there is value in Ring of Honor. And it is just a game of chicken when you're like, well, look how much value Ring of Honor has while <laughs> devaluing the other thing that they already are ready to play. It's it's um it's, it's a, a game it, of chicken with a chicken farmer as one of your wrestlers that you chose to beat in every match of a tournament and then put him in a high-profile spot on a pay-per-view. I think that Tony's goal right now is to have the best dark side of the ring ever. And he is doing everything possible right now at the end of 2023 to do that. There's, there's uh, no other explanation. Um, either that... Or Disco Inferno is the devil, and this is going to be the best payoff of all time. Wow. You heard it here, folks. You heard it first. And uh, thanks for the headline. Thanks for the headline. Uh, that's going to get us a lot of traffic, a lot of clicks, a lot of clicks yes. over in House of Wrestling. Um, so uh, lastly, one AEW item, and I don't really know. I debated putting this at the end or whatever, but it, this was it with an insane amount of traffic. Um, CM Punk, Leo Rush was talking to our good friend, Muscle Man Malcolm, and he uh he's in Leo Rush says, you know, I do have a CM Punk story. CM Punk pitched that Danielle Fischel from Boy Meets World should be my manager in AEW because she's a mutual friend of ours. That seems to be a very well received idea. I don't know how that didn't come about. Very unfortunate. I just wanted to throw that out there while we're talking AEW stuff. I would love for Topanga to be more a part of AEW programming. Um, it makes sense. Jensen married to Jensen Carp, who is a, a former WWE writer, the second most beloved Carp to have ever worked on the creative team uh, at WWE. But I don't understand why Leo Rush would have uh, Daniel Fischel as a manager. But you, why not? Why? Yeah. Like, let's let's get some excitement for the three weeks before Leo, you know, would wind up probably quitting again. 
<laughs> didn't work out yet again for Leo Rush at AEW. You know, she's obviously very buzzy, and she drew a lot of attention. So, hey, just a wink and a nudge to anybody out there who's looking for a way to maybe pop a pop some attendance or, or some eyeballs. Uh, wrestling fans seems to be very, very interested in Danielle Fischel. Um, two names that we are going to continue to see around WWE for, um, it seems like, probably around five more years are the Mysterios, uh, Ray and Dominic. Uh, PW Insider saying Dominic re-signed with WWE for what's believed to be five years. The Wrestling Observer saying Ray Mysterio also re-signed for what's believed to be five years. So five more years of Mysterios. And after asking, uh, I did a little bit of asking around about this this morning because I, I had been told that Ray was going to try to hang up the boots and retire once Dominic got over. Like It was very much like once the baby bird is out of the, the tree, and if the bird can fly, there's no reason for Mama Bird to stick around kind of thing. Well, Dominic is over like Grover, and Rey Mysterio is still very integral to the LWO. I had a source uh, who knows Rey very well saying he's going to keep wrestling. So we got we got more time with Rey ahead of us, Robert. It looks like that's what I'm hearing, at least. I think that's awesome. Rey Mysterio is continuing to contribute in a number of different ways to WWE programming. Mm -hmm. The fact that he established Dom when Dom first showed up and I, I hadn't seen Dom since I worked with him when he was a small child and we weren't sure who his dad was going to be. Um, but seeing what the performer he was when he first showed up on raw and he felt like kind of a, all right, this is a weird little Nepo hire. And then he becomes this heel character that is so insanely over on his own really highlights why Ray is so beneficial. He gave him that little push and then he moved on what he's done with the LWO with allowing Santos Escobar to emerge as this heel, the rub he's given to dragon Lee Ray Mysterio is a guy that for the next five years in any way that he can contribute, keep using him. He is still an international star. He is someone when they go on tours, uh, they go down to Mexico or the South America, wherever they go, Ray's going to be front and center. Get as much mileage out of him as you can. I've been hearing the Ray is going to retire story for about 15 years now. And the dude continues to defy logic. They will just keep rebuilding his knees and rebuilding his knees. And Dom re-signing for five years, that he's got such a great upside. I mean, he's oh. really impressed the hell out of me. Well, and the, the re-signing, because when he dropped the North American Championship – there was something going off in the back of my head where I was like, this feels like he's ready to level up, right? Like the North American championship was great. He never actually had an NXT run. So I think it was good that he got to go down there and at least for his street cred, maybe with other people who are coming up around him who had to go the NXT route. I thought it was good that he, he got a chance to go down there and give back to NXT, but he is certainly well positioned. Uh, I think for the U S title, we could talk about the, the IC title here if you want, because Guther, uh, probably gave the Miz best singles match of his entire WWE career last night on Raw. Am I overstating how good that match was last night? That match was incredible because it's the Miz in a babyface run in 2023 where it kind of came out of nowhere. And by the end of that match, that crowd genuinely thought Miz was going to beat Gunther. This is what I would imagine when they always said Ric Flair is the traveling NWA champion goes into a local promotion and he makes you think that your local hero can actually win. And there were moments where there were near falls and that audience bit on several of them. And they thought that on a free episode of raw, 
at the 845 slot that Gunther was going to lose his year plus title reign to the Miz. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Gunther, look, that episode of Raw should be held up as this is why NXT is paying off dividends for the amount of money that they've spent for it. You had Gunther showing his value. You had the Creed brothers in the main event. You had new women's tag team champions with, with Caden and Katana. Uh, J.D. McDonough opening Raw with R-Truth. They've done that Miracle on 34th Street match a lot of a lot over the years. This one felt serious. It felt real. You're taking this, this talent in NXT and you're putting them into the main roster. And for the most part, they're seamlessly integrating, which was not the case two, three years ago. Yeah, I agree. I thought last night's show just flowed really well. And I think next week is going to be, they didn't do a double taping. So I think next week will maybe be a best of, I could be yeah. wrong. I know they're not, I know they're not doing a live episode on Christmas day, obviously. Um, so they really needed to hammer it on this show to set up the day one show on the other side. Cause nobody's going to be watching next week. I thought it was a really well-paced show last night. And I thought they did a hell of a job setting up day one for for the top of the year i mean uh rhea ripley ivy nile i think is on the hook they've done a good job building up to uh becky and nia Jax, and of course i mean seth rollins drew mcintyre interestingly like M mcintyre's promo was phenomenal like i thought one of his best but the crowd that green or that iowa crowd they really did not seem super into McIntyre and Rollins like I think a lot of people were expecting. It almost kind of felt like the, the the weirdest part of the show. And I wonder if it's just because people want to see both these guys with CM Punk somehow, right? It's like the two guys who are doing nothing but feuding with Punk, but Punk is not involved. They're they're kind of feuding with each other. I think that it, I think it feels just a little off to some people. Maybe not maybe that's why they got the the reaction they did last night. Just a theory. Well, it's twofold. One, you know that eventually we're getting to Punk, so this is definitely a placeholder. And number two, Drew was not giving you a full heel promo. It was him talking about dead parents and the sacrifice that you make as a wrestler. And this Drew persona is, I'm going to talk about the real world, I'm going to talk about real life, and I'm going to make this feel as authentic as possible. And the crowd really can't boo when you're saying, I gave up years of my life and I was away from my, my sick parents and my friends and my family. So I need to win this title to validate myself. And they're kind of like, yeah, I guess we're all in dead end jobs and our lives suck and we're living in Iowa. So it became a very introspective promo for a lot it of those did. people. You know, people go to wrestling shows because they want to escape reality. That was something that was drilled in me over and over and over again pretty much every time I was in a locker room. You know, um, this was a little, this was, you may be right. They may, have, they may have flown too close to the sun here. This was something that had a lot of people sitting there thinking about maybe what they're also uh, going through at the moment. Um, well, one thing that you, you briefly touched touched on um that did not that did not make me think about my real life in fact it filled me with nothing but glee was the opening half hour of monday night raw with our truth and jd mcdonough and the judgment day uh i think that damian priest is really you know i wasn't sure if he could be the like leader of the group because finn balor's obviously finn but i think he's stepping into that spot nicely and it's also maybe because he's physically bigger than everybody else in the group he kind of looks like the adult in the faction uh, but I, man i was loving him sympathizing with truth i was loving the group kind of like 
groveling to Priest a little bit, kind of establishing that dynamic, you know, straightening up when Dad's around. Um, but the the match itself and our truth beating JD to, I you know, we'll get another month worth of truth claiming to be in the Judgment Day at the very least. I, I just I, I really enjoyed all of it. I thought it was just one of the most fun opening half hours of Monday Night Raw I'd seen in a long, long time. I think the best match of the night was Damian Priest versus his mouth while trying not to break every time Truth was talking to him. So good. It's so much fun that he's he's trying to hold it in and he's trying to keep that that straight face. But our truth just has a way of of needling you until you kind of start to crack a little bit. Yeah, uh, it was fantastic. Uh, and lastly here, um, before we get to I'll, I'll throw up a couple comments here uh, to wrap up the show. Um, after the show was over and we did, uh, congratulations, by the way, to uh, Katana and, uh, Caden on their, their women's tag team championship. When we can talk a little bit about that more tomorrow if we want. Um, but it was, uh, it was the post-show segment involving Cody Rhodes and the Creed brothers and Ivy Nile where Cody had, uh, one of the Christmas trees that was a part of the WWE Raw set brought into the ring and then decided he was going to give away this tree to somebody in the audience. Now, everybody yelled, I want the tree, I want the tree. Full-size, eight-foot tree, made of whatever. Uh, he let Ivy pick the winner. Woman in the front row wins a full-sized fake tree that Cody joked, I hope you have an SUV to get this thing home. Uh, I'm of the belief, after asking around this morning, that this fan actually got this tree. Nobody knew Cody was going to give this tree away. Um, don't know how, it got, how they got it home, but it was... One of the wackiest, funnest post-show segments I've seen in a while. It was it was quite something worth watching. By the way, the the Christmas tree wasn't fake; it was predetermined. But yes, congratulations to. Can you imagine going to a show and you're like, "Good news, we want a tree. We have to get this thing home." Uh, yeah, sure. It's a great fake uh, feel-good moment that then leads to a lot of logistics and a huge pain in the ass. All right, no time for Billy Corgan, CWNWA. Hey, you know, it's holiday week. You know, I'm dropping presents all week long. You don't know what you're going to get in your stocking tomorrow. So you got to come on back. Noon Eastern here for the live recording on X, YouTube, House of Wrestling, Podcast Heat, ad-free shows, at WWE Creative-ish, all of those. But, of course, if you like the show and you can't catch us in video form and you prefer to listen in podcast form, maybe, go over to the Rumor and Innuendo podcast feed. Give it the old subscribe. Five-star ratings. Your comments have been wonderful. We are definitely going to get to your comments on Friday from the Apple feed. Read a couple of those out loud here on the show. And, of course, on Friday, our big holiday special, because there will be no Monday show, we are going to have from wrestlers on Netflix, the villain, the bad guy, the money man, Matt Jones, going to be in the house. I'm told he's, you keep telling me he's really well-liked, but came across as like came across the bad guy on the show, you know? I'm friends with Matt Jones. I'm friends with MJF. I'm friends with good-hearted, warm, wonderful people that are easy to get along with. I also work with Nick Hausman. Hi. Good to see you all. I put my hat backwards now, which everybody loves when I look like I'm the kid from Blank Check. It's a Disney movie that none of you have seen. Well, um, I can't unsee that. <laughs> dude, anytime I wear a backwards hat, I look like – if you go I, – I, I think I'll get us flagged, but just go look up Disney's Blank Check, the cover to that – movie and then look at me are you looking at it no but do you think that disney's ip lawyers are going like oh someone's going after the blank check intellectual property uh oh <laughs> quick side note of that i saw this right before we went on the air and i need to call this out 
Okay. WWE's uh, merchandise department has become so unhinged in the best way possible, and it makes me happy that they are now selling a blurred Yeet shirt because oh, yeah. there was they lost the IP for a week. I love everything about this. I don't know who's doing it there in, in WWE merch now, but you know, hats off to you. Like, no, seriously, Nick, take the hat off. Oh, yes, and I'm gonna put it back on. That's improv right there, everybody. Go take an improv class. Um, Matt Jones on Friday. I said all the podcast stuff. I'm at Nick underscore Hausman. Um, go watch Blank Check. It's a it's got a weird ending because it has a fully grown adult woman kissing on the lips a 13-year-old boy. And it's like it's like it's supposed to be like a moment. My wife was disgusted. She said, We're never watching this film again after the conclusion to blank check. I got I got nowhere else to go with this other than you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. So on behalf of the haberdashered Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.